This is Jim Semivan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and I am joined for this breakdown episode on some bits and pieces uh, with Daniel Z. Zetterstrom. Daniel Z is my middle name. Yeah, like uh, Daniel Z, and it's not even short for anything. Um, <laughs> Dan, what we're going to do, and we're recording at a very strange time. We may never have recorded at four o'clock before in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, and yeah. So very, very odd. I've actually went and got a coffee. So for the for the YouTubers, hi. Um, c- because my really nice, really expensive coffee machine's broken oh, with no. the monitors going on it. Um, yeah, so I had to go and buy this coffee before before recording. When when it's broken, does it taste like Costa? Um, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> so okay, I need to get an engineer to repair it. So yeah, so um, Starbucks on, on the go today. Um, but it's a Sunday and we're going to do a little breakdown on uh, Chris Mellon, some points from Chris Mellon's interview with Chris Cuomo. Um, we're going to look at that Sol Foundation and the announcement of the, the conference it's putting on next month and the heavy, heavy hitters that are taking part in that. And then we're going to touch on the Monsters of California movie, Tom DeLonge's directorial debut that's just came out. We're not going to do mega heavy spoiler movie review because it's not a movie review podcast, but we do like movies and it's a UFO one and it's one we were looking forward to. So there's going to be a separate recording straight after that if you're on any of the paid feeds, it'll be behind there. Um, So yeah, just as a bonus and thanks to the people who do support the podcast in that way. Um, And if you don't want to pay and you hate that stuff, then sign up for a free trial and cancel straight away on Apple and Patreon. You can do that. Um, so yeah, awesome. Dan, let's let's kick off with the Chris Mellon interview. The, the, the rarer spotted Chris Mellon, who appeared yes. on Chris Cuomo's YouTube channel. Chris Cuomo is a news anchor, isn't he? Because at first I thought, I don't know why, but Chris Cuomo was a former politician. And I've got no reason for it. He just looks like he might have been. Um, I guess, yeah, he, he looks like the type. I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, sure. I don't, it, maybe, it maybe reminds me of someone. I'm not sure. But he appeared on the Chris Cuomo Project. He's a News Nation anchor. Um, you can check that out on YouTube. I'll put the link for Chris Cuomo stuff in here. I'm sure he'll appreciate that with his 2 million ex-Twitter followers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so hi to all of you. Go and check out Chris Cuomo's if you haven't. So, yeah, Chris Mellon done an interview. Um it doesn't do many of them. Chris Cuomo's quite a big name, though. There was a lot. It was only, what, 40, 45 minutes long, I think, if you watch it. Yeah. It's, it's almost 10 minutes. He's only He only comes on after a few minutes. And I think it was 10 or 11 minutes into the conversation before we actually get any UFO chat. And it kind of builds up from there. Um, it's all kind of governmental conversation before then, bipartisanship, intelligence community conversation. So if you did skip it, you wouldn't miss anything. Which I thought that stuff was interesting, just in the sense <clears> that it really shows you how well Chris Mellon knows his politics. Like if you've ever doubted the man's credentials after listening to this, you'll be like, oh, wow, he he knows what he's doing. He should work in government, you know? Yeah, I imagine to get to the ranks of Undersecretary of Defence, or under Secretary of Defence for the Intelligence Committee, something whatever his massive title was at the time, it's it takes a bit of work and and respect and clout to get there, and that's why someone like myself, I've, I put a lot of weight in what he says, and like I've always said, Dan, just to caveat, if we find out one day it was all nonsense and multi 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 millionaire Chris Mellon was in the UFO topic just for a few bucks, which I'd be surprised about, I would go. <sighs> and then move on from there. But no, it, it was good. Um, early chat isn't UFO-related, like I say. Government's functionality, intelligence community, and inner workings. Um, he mentioned that the, the video he got released 
uh, was it was fine and not classified. And one of the interesting points early on, Dan, was how some of those same videos that were taken from the same crafts, uh, as in the aircrafts, um, and sensor systems are being blocked. And he was trying to make the point that that's not legal and wouldn't stand up in a court. So there are other videos, such as the Tic Tac, the Gimbal, the Go Fast, that could and should be out, but he feels are being illegally blocked, which yeah, was good this, to hear. Th- this is kind of one of the points of contention, isn't it? That there's this blanket erring towards secrecy from the DOD and the US government. And it, it's been in the news a lot over the past few years, the declassification conversation, not just about UFOs, but about other things as well. So there seems to be this big push in the direction that we in the UFO community really want to see things going. You know, when, when they can release videos of drones being hit by jets from other countries in stunning HD and they don't cut anything off, why aren't they releasing these apparently innocuous UFO videos? Uh, there's so much conversation now that they're there. We know that the DOD IG and the intelligence community IG have seen these things and apparently think they're credible enough to follow up on and insist Congress kind of get on, that you've got to wonder why they're not being released. You know, you, you asked an interesting question the other day on Twitter about, uh, you know, who, who would we trust to, to release this kind of stuff? Yeah. And yeah, like if, if the government released something that was completely convincingly not a human craft or not what we thought of as a human craft, would people even believe it? Yeah. Or would people like, you know, Mick West kind of just go, eh, it's bird. And a lot of people would jump into that kind of area to maintain a sense of normalcy, you know, that but, ontological shock kind of reaction. Yeah. And I was just being, I was lazy for many, many months, almost the best part of a year on social media. So I'm just trying to post some more because I do enjoy and I'm trying to get back into posting more on Twitter and stuff. Hence why people are seeing a bit more from me. Um, but on that point, Dan, I even meant as far as if, the, the US Army wheeled out a flying saucer and went, yeah, this is something we recovered. Would people even believe that? You know, yeah. I think it's so split these days and that that was like my point, isn't it? That, yeah, is, is that official disclosure a thing that people should even pursue? You know, otherwise people, ah, yeah, what are they getting at here? Why are they bringing out this technology now? And to be fair, we would probably be the same. Yeah, you, we, we would be trying to weigh up both sides, right? Like, okay, mm. if it's real, X, Y, Z, but then eh, on the side of caution, what are they trying to distract people from, you, you know? Yeah, o- on that, again, as a slight sidebar, but related, uh, I was listening to Howard Hughes' uh, recap earlier on from, you know, talk TV and talk radio, talk sport. Um, li- I grew up listening to the kind of Howard Hughes stuff, um, being based in the UK and a big talk sport, talk radio fan. Um, and he had Jaime Musan. Jamie Mawson, as we used to call him, um, <laughs> Jamie Mawson on. I still can't get past that's what that guy sounds like. I, do you know what I worked out, Dan? What I thought Jaime Mawson should sound like and why it's been so... He looks like um, the, oh, the dude that plays Commander Riker in Star Trek. What's oh, it? sure. <laughs> I don't know his name, but I can picture him. He's a, he does all the memes. You know the, it's fake. It's fake. It's a lie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he looks, and that's so annoying, I can't remember his name, um, but he looks like he should sound like that. And then you hear his voice, and you're like, that does not... I know you're looking up now, aren't you? I am, yeah. You have to. Uh, so Star Trek Next Generation. Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes, yes. There you go. So he looks like he should sound like Jonathan Frakes. And it really upsets me when I see his face. Um, <laughs> I think I mentioned recently a podcast I listened to, uh, Plumbing the Death Star. Very sure. quick shout-out. 
absolutely love it. I've told Dan about it for years. Um, Australian guys, uh, they're from New Zealand, Australia. Funny as anything, and they do a lot of really geeky, funny. geeky stuff. They're, they're amazing, but they've just started doing YouTube uh, as part of it as well, and I've seen them for the first time, and their faces don't match the voices. But in the group, I would say he sounds like him, he sounds like him, and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> but um, Jaime Massan was on uh, Howard Hughes, and he was talking to Howard about, obviously, the, the mummies. I got it was quite a quick piece. It was like 10, 15 minutes interview and and Jaime Musan's quite fiery on it and he's he's very emotional, which which was fine. It was um so some of the points I may have misconstrued slightly, but I, he was very much pushing that those those bodies are real and genuine. And that and this goes back to the point about, you know, would we believe the government? He's saying that people are just coming out and believing the lie that these aren't real. He has he has offered to pay for two or three um, like scientists, if people who are academics from Oxford, etc. I think they use Oxford in the interview. Beg your pardon, Oxford in the interview as an example uh, to come out to Mexico and study the material and the bodies and everything like that. Uh, he says that the. He also went back, and this is something I may or may not have got confused. Just and I listened to it that th- this part twice, and I couldn't work out. Howard Hughes brings up the the previous mummified body that turned out to be that of like a sure. was it deformed child, but from yeah, some time right. ago. Yeah. Um he seemed to still stick by that that was genuine and that the bodies that were shown later on pictures and such weren't initially what they presented, and he sticks by what he presented at the time. So that that it was like I say, a very short piece. It's on Howard Hughes. If anyone wants to go and check that out, I recommend it. Um but Jaime Musan very much sticking by this. And th- there is that thing of, I, w- I would love if it was genuine, and I do hope people do still take up that opportunity to study this properly. And if that is the case that, like we believe, they aren't genuine, then fine. It's, it's, it can just be gone. But sure. while there's still that element of, you know, can someone go and study this properly and give us a, a clear answer, then it remains open, doesn't it? But you wonder, is there that element of, you know, there that may be someone trying to get, and this is such a long way of saying this, but trying to get that smoking gun evidence out, and just through a couple of lies, even people like us, Dan, are me and you, poo pooing that far too quickly, and just going with one side of it rather than the yeah. other. Well, I remember when when it came out, we we spoke about it, and we said, you know, maybe maybe this is the one thing that Jaime is doing mm-hmm. that isn't a hoax, you know, and you've got to allow for that chance, but. We can only lean back on science and kind of say, you know what, let the scientists do their thing. It's awesome that he's inviting people and he wants to pay for independent study of these things. Uh, there seems to be enough interest that someone will take him up on that. The initial reveal is still kind of clumsy. You know, I, again, I think I said at the time, it, if it is an unknown species, it's an anthropologist convention thing. It's not a UFO hearing thing. It's just yeah. an unknown species, you know, and you've got to build from there. There's no point of origin. You know, there's no star map on their chests or anything like that, you know. It just seems to be, you know, kind of like Homo floriensis, like a small species that we didn't know about. We can't say that it's alien. We can't say that it did X, Y, Z. It's just an unknown. But, yeah, people should go do the science because we've got to lean on that. Yeah, an interesting comment I thought Chris Cuomo mentioned, and this kind of backs up, and I like the fact that Chris Cuomo has a big audience, and it's not a UFO audience, right? And he mentioned on the show, and I really like this to Chris Mellon, he got more joy speaking to sources from the intelligence community about the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden 
than getting any substantial information on UFOs. And you can imagine how how sensitive that subject is and was, yeah. especially at the time when there's a journalist saying, you know, I was trying to get info on that and I got more luck chasing up where he might be and what was happening with Osama bin Laden than I than I do still trying to check, you know, about UFO information, which just shows you this is as as stigmatized as it is, it's a hell of a sensitive topic at the highest levels still. And people can forget that, I think. Yeah, 100%. We, we always hear about this religious angle, and Chris kind of brought that in. Chris Cuomo brought that in, I should say. Uh, the two Chris's, they should start a show together. Um, they were talking about the religious angle, and Chris Cuomo kind of finished the show by saying, if you choose to believe in God, but you can't see room for other life in the universe, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's a little bit crazy that you can't balance those two things. And we always hear about people inside the Pentagon supposedly having this religious slant to it and being worried that these things are demonic and things like that, so they just stop studying them. It's not the way to go, and we, we've got to be open to the science on these things. And Faith doesn't come into it. You know, We're, we're talking about data, and data doesn't lie. This is kind of, if we had the data, the trust thing wouldn't be so much of an issue uh, if it was public. And this is one thing that, Jaime has actually done pretty well and the people that he's been working with. I've seen people on the genetics forums, on subreddits, being able to download the source data. And they think there's a lot wrong with it. But the point is, it's available. The raw data is available for people to look at. And whether it's a hoax or whether it's real, I mean, the balls on these people, if it's a hoax, to tell scientists to come look and think they mm. can trick them, you know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, that's that is calling your bluff to the end degree, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pay for you to come and look at it, yeah. and then they come out there and it's like, ah, you know what? I've left them at home. Yeah, and sorry. Your, yeah, your flights back, your flights tomorrow. Ah, I can't get into my apartment because it's getting fumigated. Uh, Customer so yeah. service can't move it. Sorry, there's no. Yeah. Ah, just what are the odds? Um, <laughs> You mentioned, uh, and I don't know why I'm bringing this up, I've made the note to do it, just because of something you said there. Uh, I saw a clip on, oh, the religious side of things, on sure. Reddit Reddit the other day, and again, trying to just post more on socials. Busy life, all that crap, but yeah, that's just excuses. Um, I saw something on Reddit, and it was a former astronaut who was quite elderly now, um, and it was a really frustrating point, and I remember posting on the thread, uh, just... He was trying to say, to paraphrase, and I can't even remember his name, I'll try and find a link on Reddit, because I posted on Reddit, and I think it was in the High Strangeness subreddit. I'm such a Reddit novice, by the way, all the threads and stuff get me. And the fact that you post something, there's like 40 rules you have to follow to, to actually get your post approved, that just that annoys me. But anyway, and the guy was making the point that he doesn't believe in extraterrestrial life. He's an astronaut. And I made the point, this guy has seen the wonders of the universe up close, closer than most anyone who's ever existed has or ever will. And he doesn't believe in extraterrestrial life, but he very much believes whatever this phenomenon is, is demonic. And I was like, "How it's so, it's so close-minded. And it's that, and I've spoken to so many folks of a religious background that are, that are so open-minded to what this may or may not be, but he was so closed-minded to the fact that, and that's why... I get the impression people within the US government, we hear about these factions that are very right, not right wing, but whatever the extreme religious side of things is that they're, whatever Christian it is, can't remember. Sorry, folks, I'm not offending anyone, didums. Um, <laughs> but that, that those kind of factions 
Fundamentalist. Um, fundamentalist, that's what I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, that are proper fundamentalist Christians, and they, they will not hear anything other than it's angels, demons, and it's God's word, and the Bible's true word for word. And this is the way this guy came across, and it was so frustrating, and thinking that's that's probably what you're up against within the halls of government, where these folks are like, we're not entertaining this conversation. We're not talking aliens, dimensional beings, any of that stuff. It's angels and demons fighting each other, and, you know, God is the be all and end all. Um, that that was pretty frustrating from the from the religious side of things. I don't know if you'd seen that, Dan. It was just a couple, um, couple of minutes clip. I didn't, but it's relevant because that you know it gets touched on in the Cuomo thing. Plays a little role in Monsters of California as well. You, you know, the religious angle is real interesting because we all talk about these books containing essentially like really early UFO encounters. You, you know, mm. like the burning bush and the light to Bethlehem and things like that. Yet. Some people can only read it kind of literally, right? When these are meant to be allegories and tales. And I think the first book, I don't want to quote because someone will kind of tell me how wrong it is, but we're talking like hundreds of years passing before the first book of the Bible was written after the events of it. I can barely remember what happened last week to write it down, you know? And then you've got like 10 different versions from 10 different people. And that is supposedly a record of, you know, our interaction with this phenomena. And when you talk about fundamentalist Christians, it's, it's kind of, Odd that, you know, they start with God made the world, you know, then there was light, that kind of thing. And I mean, how old is this book compared to the age of the universe and mm. the age of the earth and stuff like that? And there's no room for the outside bit. You know, they take 0.1% of the universe and just entertain that as fact. And then everything else is up for debate. And yeah, it's a really strange viewpoint for me. I, I feel like those words like angels, like demons, they have specific meanings, you know? If we say demons, we're talking about the devil and poltergeist and things like that. That's the kind of idea people have. When other cultures, you know, we have the jinn in the Middle East and, and everyone thinks of those as demons. And it's like, no, they were just energetic beings without a body. So just like humans. And they were varied. Some of them were, you know, annoying and would mess with you. And most of them were just normal and innocuous. And it's just another world or a dark biosphere, as someone like Eric Davis or Gary Nolan would call it. So... So to say, you know, these are these are just labels that we're putting on things. And it's weird to be scared of a, a word to me, you, you know? <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, Reigns, I've mentioned this a long time ago and lots of new listeners and viewers since then on the podcast. So hello. Um, the One of my favorite jokes ever in Red Dwarf was about uh, a new page of the Bible being found. And if true, it goes at the start of the Bible and reads, To my darling Mary, um, all characters portrayed within this uh, novel are entirely fictitious, <laughs> any resemblance to those of it. And I just thought that was so good. That was funny. Um, yeah, that's great. Love right yeah. to miss it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, main takeaway from this one for me was, was Chris Mellon really repeating something, that, but again on that bigger stage, that these cases, um, there, there are cases, sorry, he doesn't know how else to explain other than it's ET, because Chris Cuomo kind of phrases it a certain way, and Chris Mellon's very careful to say, I'm not saying it's ET, but there are cases such as the Nimitz, given all the data available that he has seen and been privy to, it's hard to explain any other way other than this is something that isn't human. Um, and again, there's that going out to a big audience. Chris Cuomo's taking it very seriously. I think he puts a lot across um, some very fair questions. I'd love to see Chris Cuomo get the chance at that sort of interview, but maybe a longer form. I get Chris yeah. Mellon's a hard guy to kind of nail down like that, though. Yeah, it, it's intriguing that Chris is holding on to that ET kind of angle because you could argue, you know, that's a specific lens again. 
But yes, what if he's wrong, and what yeah. if it's what if it's interdimensional, or is he just deliberately playing? Because he doesn't come on podcasts like this. He does big, high-end, five-minute news pieces or clips in a show, or like it goes on like a really big YouTube yeah, show. Less like is that. more for Chris. For yeah, sure. ab- absolutely. <laughs> so when he comes up, you kind of listen. And maybe for him, it's still the case that you know what? I'm better just going out right now with the ET hypothesis on this. And then when people tune into the conversation, maybe we can start dipping in a little bit more of you know, there, there's there's not human. Uh, it doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial maybe it's something and then the conversation changes but maybe just from chris's point of view not working potentially as close as he did five years ago with tom delong lou elizondo steve justice hal put off that we can see on the on the outside of things maybe for him this is still the best course of action and let, let's go with et for the moment yeah absolutely and and it's the most understandable for any audience as well you know compared to 100 years ago now we regularly see pictures from the james webb telescope that show us our place in the universe that really you know make the brain war and think like if all those solar systems are out there all those galaxies they all have planets and stars and so on and so forth we can't be alone so the et hypothesis is almost a comfortable one now you know we're, we're almost accustomed to it i think that it was something like 70 percent of americans believe in extraterrestrial life now um so you know, it's not it's not that crazy a claim. Whereas when we're talking about stuff like AI and avatars and robot bodies, that stuff is it's still stuff that the general public doesn't really understand. It's kind of new in terms of technology, like Chat GPT. I still talk to people that haven't even heard of it. Whereas you wind the clock forward ten years, and we're all going to have it on our phones, and we'll all know what it's called, and you, you know, so we'll be more accustomed to to that conversation then, and we can start having that AI conversation in a deeper way. So I wonder if that's a part of what Chris is doing too. Absolutely. Anything else from that interview that was worth bringing up for you? Um, only that, you know, there was a good quote that he had where he said, somebody else's space program has found us. Why would we be surprised if we encountered intelligent machines from somewhere else? I feel like that's a, a nice little summary of Chris's hypothesis for what we're facing here. And do you know what? I've been very careful because um, I'm... It's not my position to do so, to comment on any stuff from the last couple of days in terms of what's kicking off in certain countries out there. Um, But it's pretty bad. And again, it's that whole thing of when people say, we as a species, we are ready for for UFOs. We are ready for the truth. Other civilizations could just come and say, hi, why would you? Look at the the mess of the planet, you know, just yeah. from a view from the outside. So I think it's incredibly egotistical for for anyone to look and go, yeah, aliens would solve all that. You know, that was Is... something I spoke to Ross Coulthard about. And yeah, it's it's just, I, I think it's very human in, in a bad way to look at the lens that, yeah, we're ready for all of this when we don't even look ready to be a civilized species on our own. Yeah, exactly. You know, a, a lion tamer going into a cage where 50 lions are fighting, they're going to take different precautions, right? They're probably going to stay back until everyone calms down a bit. Um, I would probably face them the same kind of thing. Yeah, the Twitter X algorithm has shown me some horrible videos the last few days, and you just you just hope things get resolved quickly and everything else. And yeah, after the last couple of years, you think you thought after COVID, you know, oh, the world will be a little bit nicer to each other given everything that happened, and it just went to hell in the handbasket a whole a whole lot quicker. But yeah. hey ho. So the, the, yeah. one other thing to mention as well is that Chris does say at some point in the interview that he has friends at Lockheed who he's spoken to about this stuff and talked about the performance of these craft that we're filming. And apparently they said, nope, not us. We can't do that. Like just point blank. They're the guys that would work on the Black Project stuff. And they're saying, nope, can't do that. Yeah, 100%. Really good interview. Worth watching, Dan. Yeah, I think 45, yeah, 50 minutes of your time. Always um, worth taking time out for, for Melon. Yeah, for Cuomo and Melon. 
Little little jingle goes. It's Um, not a sitcom. (laughs) Yeah, moving on. Speaking of spin-offs, Better Call Saul was good from Breaking Bad. And the Saul Foundation, Dan. Yeah, see what I've done there? Yeah, I like it. Nah, that's a lazy Sunday afternoon effort. Um, The Saul Foundation we talked about a little while ago on on the pod when it was announced. And that's S-O-L. And it's thesaulfoundation.org. The link will be in the description. Um, They have announced their annual symposium of the Saul Foundation is going to be held November 17th to the 18th, 2023 at Stanford University. Um, I'm going to just quickly read through the the opening gambit they've put on the website that after... Oh, thanks, Dan. Um, after, <laughs> after decades of undeserved marginality, UAP are enjoying unprecedented levels of public interest and newfound legitimacy in academia, government, media, and even venture capital. Yet, the sudden turnaround is deepening rather than lessening the enigma of the phenomena, revealing not only all the questions about them have gone unanswered, but many more that now must be asked. They put some questions on there, such as, are some of these UAP and undersea objects technological and non-anthropogenic? How can the natural sciences comprehensively study UAP? And how are humanities and social sciences poised, etc., etc.? Very, very scientific leaning. And it finishes with, the Saul Foundation's inaugural symposium will address these and other pressing questions by bringing together leading voices on UAP from academia, government and industry. Much more than an academic conference, the first of its kind meeting will will see its participants propose government policies, programmes of research and funding, and investment strategies by which institutional, economic and cultural resources adequate to the magnitude of the phenomena can be marshalled and organised. Sol also intends with this event to elevate public discourse on UAP, demonstrating that intellectual sobriety and mature professionalism can yield new insights into these anomalies par excellence. Dan, that I mean... is a, a mouthful, yeah. It is a bit of a mouthful, yeah. It's a good mouthful, though. (laughs) It is. Uh, Mature professionalism and UAP at the moment go together like chalk and cheese. We want them to go together like, you know, wait, uh, peanut butter and jelly. I was was going to struggle then. I don't Mm. like it, but you know what I mean. It'll match well. Um, Finally, there's going to be, you know, a conference that sets this tone for actual progress instead of, you know, just, just lectures. Um, we, we've seen a conference that kind of pushes this way, the uh, anomalous conferences in New York, brought on by Jay King and um, James, James Iandoli of, yeah, uh, oh God, engage, what's it? Engage, engage in the engage Phenomena. phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just having I'll, brain I'll blanks keep here. Nice, thank you. It's, it's the Sunday <laughs> afternoon. The Sunday afternoon has totally thrown us. Like yeah, I think so. I think we're both better at night doing this kind of stuff, <laughs> but hey-ho. But the you know those those conferences they will really kind of what I describe as higher brow than than most of the other kind of ones. Um, they were about facilitating conversation, about treating each other respectfully and professionally, and and bringing this into a place where we can actually talk about it openly and discuss the differences in an academic way instead of a you know Twitter kind of trolling way as as kind of the bar was set. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the results of this. I know that you've got to like. You can't just rock up and buy a ticket. Am I right in thinking that? It's in invitation only? Yeah, I think you have to spin a colourful wheel and if it lands on the right one, you get in. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you have to register for... Uh, I'm on the page just now, actually. You, there's an application form for the Sol Foundation uh, and you can register, yeah, I think, to submit and... 
Yeah. Um, due to limited room capacity, in-person attendance at Stanford is by invitation only. Professional requests to attend are welcome and should be made through the contact form below. Address for media requests will be posted shortly. Video of the event will be made available at a later Which date. Which is awesome. That's what yes. I like to see right there. So basically, the internet trolls are going to be able to watch it but not participate in the event because they'll be watching it after the fact. Uh, I, I love that people have this kind of space to explore it and it, it, I mean it's a hell of a lineup right yeah speaking of which so the organizers of the event are one Dr. Gary Nolan who is the Saul Foundation Chairman of the Board Professor Department of Pathology at Stanford University School of Medicine um, Gary Dr. Nolan um, I was no, no guest has ever made me call them by their professional name which has always been very nice uh, but yeah so Gary Nolan did you know who did no Stephen Greer Dr. Greer only. Oh, yeah, when you were, when you were on the cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got, got told off. <laughs> yeah, we can get to that later if you like. Um, but yes, uh, Gary Nolan, who, and these people fully deserve their, their titles, obviously. Uh, he's oh, been absolutely. on the show. We know Gary. Um, very accomplished academic and professional, uh, Nobel nominated. And he is very much the the tip of the spear when it comes to the UFO conversation from a scientific and academic point of view for many folks out there. Um wonderfully quick witted as well if you if you follow him on social media yeah. accuse me of having a massive forehead once as well um, in a compliment though <laughs> okay it was um, it was a nerdy compliment but you know it was a compliment <laughs> okay yeah um, and also he's along there with dr peter scaffish or scaffish scaffish um, who is the Saul Foundation Director, former Collage de France, UC Berkeley or Univers- University College of Berkeley and McGill University as well. So those two are organising. But onto the, the speaker list, I don't know all of these folks. Uh, I know probably, actually I know most of them to be fair, not personally, but from the list. So we've got Jonathan Berti, who is an AI entrepreneur and RoboVision chairman. What a cool title to have. That is it. All these um, really cool and impressive yeah but you mentioned the ai stuff before more and more yeah. that's coming into the conversation in terms of ufos and uap so i can see why he would be there uh one dr eric davis who might oh, get a little mention uh, i was going to say to you <laughs> in the monsters and of california thing and dan and i haven't discussed a single thing about that tom DeLong movie so if you're really intrigued then yeah sign up to the podcast to hear the full thing we'll, we'll touch on it though after this um but yeah so dr eric davis slash walker um theoretical physicist at the aerospace corporation dr timothy is it galada or galaday um uh, yes yeah you yeah, dad's like yeah 50 50 yeah galaday i kind of say it but um, I've also realised that I've been saying a Godelay, which is not correct at all. No. Like the, those I've just moved a bunch of letters around. Doctor <laughs> Timmy G, uh, Rear Ad, <laughs> I say that, and Rear Admiral of the U.S. Navy and former Administrator of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, <laughs> slap me down with that kind of <laughs> achievement in life. Uh, um, look at me in my, with my microphone and desktop computer, and uh, yeah, uh, more stars than a McDonald's employee who's had. Mc- employee of the month many times um, and tim's tim's been on project unity he's been he on merge with ryan graves talks about the underwater side of the phenomena yes. usos that kind of stuff really really interesting yeah there was a clip shared about online recently of his has he been on rogan or is it just the merged podcast i saw him on just the merged podcast was it merged, the setup yeah. is very rogan-y you know uh, yes i remember the professional ryan has looking... more hair yeah, and doesn't have a tumble dryer behind them. <laughs> so, um, there's doctor. Uh, also, I don't know this uh, per, uh, person, male or female, whoever it may be. Doctor Jairus Victor Grove. Ah, oh, Victor. I imagine would be uh, male. Uh, director of the Hawaii Research Center for Future Studies and Chair, Department of Political Science, University of Hawaii, Manoa. 
so I, I don't know who that is. Dr. Grove, any idea, Dan? Um, I don't, not familiar, but you know, intriguing to think that someone from a political science background is thinking of how UAP is going to change the history of politics and science and, and how that interacts with government. I mean, it's going to hugely, right? Uh, at the very yeah. least, the White House has to realize that one of these things could land on the lawn and you know, if it wanted to hit with a bit of force and produce more energy than a thermonuclear weapon could. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, I doubt he's handing out the raffle tickets during the interval anyway with that sort of, <laughs> again, accreditation to him. Um, Dr. Avi Loeb, people will know the name, Professor of Astronomy at Harvard University, Director of the Galileo Project. Avi Loeb can still make comments now and again, can't he, that are a little bit dismissive to some of aspects of the ufo topic um i believe he was a little bit dismissive of the david grush conversation wasn't he similar yeah. to bill nelson he's he's very data driven um but what i like about avi and though you know Av avi would be like it's fine to disagree you know i think we'd have a really interesting conversation about let's just entertain these things and, and come up with a bunch of ideas of where and they could would come take, from it would take 10 minutes telling you why it was okay to disagree but then why he was correct <laughs> but we can see from those the paper he produced with sean kirkpatrick about like the limits of if there was a ship in our solar system and if it produced a bunch of like probes like dandelion seeds that came to x amount of planets you, you know he he's all about kind of finding the physical limitations based on physics yeah. that we know now what's frustrating is that he doesn't entertain the kind of you know the faster than light warp drive type side of things but i think that's okay you know he, he's essentially on side kind of saying yeah it's a possibility it, it's crazy that people don't think it's a possibility and truth is you know we can we can talk about warp drives till we're blue in the face but no one's made one um, so we don't even know if they work or if it's just, you know, some healthy speculation there. So totally fair enough that Abby, you know, will tow that line. And I think by towing that line, he's showing that you can bring science to these things in a really pragmatic way without getting crazy before getting the results, you know? Yeah, there's a great spin-off series, I think, there for, for Star Trek. You know, it starts off, they've all got warp technology. Can you imagine <laughs> the spin-off where they're trying to design it and the ships just keep disintegrating them when they start up? Um, but yeah, it's got to start somewhere. Um, next up, Leslie Kane, journalist and author, UFOs, generals, uh, pilots and government officials go on the record. That was her initial book. Leslie Kane's been on the podcast before. Um, also, in a way, makes an appearance in Monsters of California, again, yes. under a different name, obviously. Well, it's not her, but it's meant to be her, but we'll get to that. Um, we can see why Leslie's there. Charles McCullough III, Inspector General of the Intelligence Community under the Obama administration, and also David Grush's lawyer. Absolutely. And this is a really intriguing guest. It's the first time he's going to be speaking publicly. He left his role at the law company, supposedly, because that law company only represents government employees. David Grush is no longer a government employee, so he had to leave to carry on representing him. He was also sat behind David in the hearings advising yeah. him when he kind of, you know, to toe that line to, to not get a slap on the wrist for revealing yeah. information he shouldn't. Really, really curious to see him talk about this because he's going to have some interesting inside baseball to share, I think. We hope. Uh, Christopher, yeah. Christopher Mellon, part of this, so bang straight Ooh. away. That's <laughs> It's name after name here, really, isn't it? Former it Deputy is. Assistant Director of Defence for Intelligence and Staff Director for the Senate, Collect, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Say that five times fast. <laughs> I just did. Uh, in the Scottish accent. Uh, yeah, so Chris Mellon appearing at this as well to talk. Wonderful. Um, again, if that wasn't already worth it, Dr. Diana, Diana Walsh-Pasulka, Professor of Religious Studies, University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Diana's coming on to discuss her new book uh, when that's released in a month and a half or so. Um, 
I've been lucky to get a copy of that already, so I'll, I'll be giving that a read soon. Our new book's called Encounters. I think you can pre-order it, but always good to hear her. Probably has my favourite accent in all of all, all of the UFO community. Diana. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. That, that's it. I mean, I'm, she's she's wonderful to speak to about the UFO topic as well because she's got that wonderful mix of that religious studies background yeah. and open mind and thinking and talking about the UFO subject. And do you know what can be quite. I mean, peek behind the scenes, Dan. Not to go into the conversation, but she can be quite prickly sometimes on uh, UFO socials, can't she? If she if she doesn't agree with someone, and that includes like peers and other academics and scientists, she'll she'll give her opinion online, which is wonderful to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. She she's not afraid of getting into the discussion, and you know, she she's one of these people who's very aware of lenses as well. She just chooses to study this through the religious lens, um, and you can see her point as well. You know, people believe things on faith in this community, and faith is religion. You, you know, uh, everyone has their line, and it's interesting to see someone exploring that. Yeah, as George Michael once said, <laughs> "You gotta have faith." No, at Club Tropicana drinks are free. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd go with that one. Um, uh, last two, Dr. Beatriz Villaroes, uh, Director of the Vasco Project, Assistant Professor, Nordic Institute of Theoretical Physics in Sweden. Um, not that kind of Nordic, I don't think. Uh, I don't know this particular Dr. Villaroes. Uh, not familiar, but the Vasco Project is the vanishing and appearing sources during a century of observations. It's talking about transients and probes. So like the flashing lights that we see in space that, you know, some of them turned out to be supernova and things like that. Um, this, this is what uh, Dr. Beatrice studies. So it's going to be, it's interesting seeing her apply to this because you essentially, you know, people, people see these transient moon flashes and like to claim that they're UAP. Uh, they could be. We don't know what they are, but it's great to see that that project is open to exploring this possibility. Yeah, and cherry on the cake, uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée, computer scientist, venture capitalist, and author, um, amongst many, many other things. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you'll almost definitely know Jacques Vallée. Lucky to speak to him some time ago on the podcast. Am I right in saying, in terms of that venture capitalist uh, element of things, Jacques Vallée was one of the pioneers of the internet in its early days? Yeah, that's right. Something yeah. called uh, ARPANET, I think it was. Uh, he helped make it, and those protocols got adapted for the general internet at large that we, we know today. So, yeah, really cool. Really, you know, incredible pioneer. Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a list. Um, and when that comes out, we'll, uh, we'll be just discussing it, no doubt, obviously, Dan. But I wonder, a couple of things to ask you, right? What do you expect when, as a consumer, you go to an event like this? Not just a UFO event, right? But with that sort of lineup, scientists and academics discussing various aspects of the ufo uap topic what's your actual expectations going in to come out with well my expectations i know you said don't think about the ufo events that i've been to but i they inform my expectations you know so i i would expect a bit of speculation i would expect a bit of healthy conversation on the human effects of this stuff um and to meet a bunch of people that you know are like-minded in this case, that like-mindedness is going to be very academic-driven, but there's also going to be policy proposals. So I wonder if those policy proposals are going to be shown in this event or if they're going to come from discussion that's had during this event. Uh, it would be really cool to see that they're actually proposing this stuff. Uh, we, we know that David Grush was kind of involved in an ancillary way with the Sol Foundation, um, and that they already kind of informed some of the legislation that's going through hopefully this year. So, yeah, it, it seems like a productive one. My expectations are kind of askew with it because it seems like something we haven't had before, right? 
And yeah. the fact that they're not taking money to just have anyone come in, and the same with videos are available later. It doesn't say they're free, but I would hazard a guess that they're not interested in charging a lot of money for these things. Um, and they actually want to advance the conversation instead of just become a business, you know? Not to say that if they did charge, it would be a bad thing. No, I think what, to be fair though, to not play devil's advocate, but look at the other side of that, given the application process for tickets, I imagine if you are someone turning up with a background that you are a venture capitalist and you've got some money to invest and fund something, then you're probably going to be nearer the front of the queue than if I applied as, you know, podcast host, can I come and watch? Um, they're probably going to be like, eh, this guy's got a couple of million quid in his bank, ready to burn, and we are looking for funding for some proposals that may go yeah. ahead. And he's someone we maybe, or she is someone we maybe want to have a conversation with after the conference with a real proposal to look at getting some funding. So, but that's that's fine. I get that. That's that's what it is. It's not it's not awakening. It's not contact in a desert. It's not one of those where you have more of a mix of conversations no one into this um event i imagine will be talking about the black knight satellite or secret antarctic bases i wonder why, if you're gonna say why you that laughing, today. why are you laughing yeah why are you laughing um black knight satellite um <laughs> yeah so yeah we need, we actually have to do a show on the black knight satellite don't we, we Just should for, yeah uh, I, okay yeah we um, should this you know this event kind of reminds me of a remember the event to the stars did when they launched Yes. where they very much showed on the stage, like in, you know, Tom wore a suit for maybe one suit. of the only the times suit. in his yeah. life. Um, he doesn't even wear suits to weddings, you know. He doesn't look that, comfortable. He, he, he did not look comfortable in that suit. <laughs> he he did look comfortable in the suit in the I Miss You video. He, he rocked that. Mm. So I think it was just maybe a nail fitting suit or yeah. something like that, you know. Um, so, yeah, it it's more kind of inspiring that level of respect you know we're here for a proper conversation this isn't going to be about little green man this is about how we actually apply science to this so you're absolutely right you know someone like avi loeb is going to be talking to venture capitalists there to be like hey you know we want to roll out this system to detect uap this is a very practical way that we can gather data on these things so we only need 20 million and we can roll out 10 all over the planet you, you know it's a it's a place for actual actionable things afterwards not just to kind of talk about it and have it within that bubble conversation point then dan a final one on the sol foundation smoking gun confirmation of a real true general public waking up moment to this isn't going to come at an organized expo a conference a documentary a book a podcast some guy posting videos on Twitter and saying an anonymous source has given them this information. Um, that's not how this subject is going to blow up to to that kind of final paradigm shifting moment. For me, that still would be a news bulletin, an official government announcement, you know, president such and such is going live at this time tonight and it's a worldwide broadcast um, or something live and spontaneous where Phoenix Lights type event but live on TV, right? Yeah. That would be that. It's not going to happen at an event like this and yeah, I think most folks involved in the subject understand that, don't they? That yeah, yeah, no one's making a documentary, and if they are, if anyone says they're making a documentary that is going to have final proof, blah blah blah, I wouldn't buy that at all, and I would be very no. disappointed. For example, if James Fox ever advertised documentaries coming out, and this is the definitive proof, because you're like, well, it's not, as it? It's it may be what proof is presented so far, or what evidence we have so far, but it's not like. I've got a video and I'm going to show you it because they always disappoint. It's, it's 100%, never a 
Hundred percent, and and Ross and Bryce touched on this with, especially now with AI and things like that. We just can't trust videos. Like we we need more than that now. Um, and I think the Saul Foundation, this group of people, are going to be the kind of people who will sit down and go, okay, how do we define life? How do we even communicate that this might be life? You know, at the moment, we we just don't have a definition of life, or at least we do. We have a different one for you know biology and chemistry have different definitions to physics, which has different definitions to NASA exploring space, and all of these things kind of amalgamate to to a problem. You, you know, if we see something in the sky that we think is intelligent, how do we define it as life? If we look at it and it's a bunch of gears, we're gonna call that a machine, right? You know, a secret machine, but there's there's an overlap coming where we have ai in machines and they're going to be very lifelike and you know most people i think with chat gpt it outperforms like 90 percent of the population in the bar exam that's that's for lawyers so it's better than 90 percent of the population taking the exam for lawyers so that kind of stuff is going to overtake us but we won't see that as life still we'll still think that humans are special and exceptional and, mm. and that we have something else going on it's a, it's a really interesting point of contention that I think a group like this could come up with a proposal of detecting life. Um, have you heard about the the Viking Mars missions where NASA like mm-hmm. thought they found life and then they didn't? That's a whole... The problem there is philosophical. It's not science. They did a bunch of experiments that seemed to show life was there, but also at the same time, there's no definition of life. So how do we define that as life, you know, yeah. based on that experiment? Um, so they might have found it, but they just can't define it. So they, this is one of the interesting problems. Um, you know, before we had, for example, the periodic table, how did we define water? Water was defined as, you know, it's flowy, it's cold, it's sometimes hot, you know, all the qualities that make up water. But until we had this full periodic table system and we knew that water was H2O, we couldn't define it in any way that also didn't apply to things like blood or other chemicals and other mm-hmm. liquids. So a group like the Sol Foundation could, you know, perfectly propose a complete groundwork for a system of defining life as opposed to one strict definition just in like 10 words or something like that. They, they could do a lot of really good work. I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Yeah, so that's November 17th to the 18th in uh, Stanford, Connecticut. So if anyone's managing to head out to that and you listen to the podcast, give us a shout. It'd be interesting to, to hear if you're going. Um, so yeah, I, like- I know someone that is waiting on a maybe confirmation that they get to go. So we'll, we'll have a little inside info if that happens. Nice. I can imagine a couple of folks I might know who'd be interested in that one. But yeah, we'll see. Um, and I think Diana Pasilka is probably due to come on round about then, so that might not be too bad timing either because our book's due for release round about that time. Um, and very briefly, Dan, we'll finish off before we record properly on uh, Monsters of California. Apologies, folks. I corrected Dan on that last time. <laughs> Pure Mandela effect moment, you, though. You can see the panic in my face when you do it as well. I'm like, do I, do I contradict or am I just wrong? And I just, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not getting too serious with this. But yeah, of, still, of California. Still want to call it Monsters in California. Um, but yeah, Monsters of California, Tom DeLong's long-awaited directorial debut, production of To The Stars Academy? Media? To The Stars Media uh, Academy? Media. Yeah, um, To The Stars Media, and it's been one we've been waiting for for quite a while. We're not going to movie review it now, we'll do that, like I say, separately. So if anyone wants to sign up or do the free trials or stuff, you'll get a little bonus movie review of, of our thoughts and going through it in some detail. Um, but overall, Dan, uh, non-spoilers, I... I enjoy, first time I said to Dan, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. To be honest, um, 
I'll was say that's there anything new in it for you? Um, exactly. Uh, I was like, oh, that's curious. I, you know, I'm surprised that's in there or I hadn't heard that before. I don't think so. I think it's a story that it seemed like someone trying to summarize the last five or six years to me. Um, sure. A little bit like that, but in, in like a good way. I enjoyed that. Um, it was uh, it was like American Pie meets Scooby Doo. <laughs> I love I love that we're gonna have our comparisons. I've written down here that it's like Kevin Smith meets Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, so I'll just say for an indie movie with no doubt a relatively small budget, uh, they got your sweet sweet two of the stars investment money, Dan, and spent it on a film. <laughs> that was but, it. It's just three hundred pounds. Three hundred yeah. pounds. The whole film cost that. <laughs> But I, I think they've they've done pretty well with that budget. Um, and I've seen films with bigger budgets with far, far, far worse CGI. Let's put it that way. Uh, Moonfall came up the other day, didn't it? In a Moonfall chat. is exactly what I thought. I was like, how is that millions, like this big budget thing with like yeah. this massively bloated story? It and looked then like it wasn't finished. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say that Tom proved that he can make a better movie than Moonfall yeah. with this. And and that builds well. Like maybe maybe this was a test bed because he wants to direct some episodes of Secret Machines when Legendary make that. You, you know, I, I think he proves that he's got really competent directing chops here. Yeah. It's got Easter eggs in it. Then we'll we'll discuss so those many. at a later time. Is there anything if you want to just share one maybe that jumped out to you, Dan, that you think <laughs> Ooh, that's not spoilery. Um, well, so for example, I, I'll, I'll just give an example of a few. If you're a Tom DeLonge fan, there's a lot there for you if you've been following him creatively. There was one scene that I kind of got a little chuckle out of that was set in James's Coffee Co. And one of the guys working on the register at this coffee place was Matt Rubano. So James's Coffee Co. is partly owned by the guitarist David Kennedy from Angels and Airwaves. And Matt Rubano is the basis from Angels on Airwaves. So, like, there's a lot of Tom friends and stuff in yeah. it and, like, nods. So if you've been following Tom creatively for a while, you'll get the kick out of a lot in this, you know, little musical cues and stuff like that. In terms of kind of the the content of the film, I, I would say that without spoiling it, the idea that, you know, we're all connected. And there is a bit in the film where one of the characters just lays out the whole thesis, like I guess Tom's yeah. thesis for the whole thing. Again, I won't say it here. People should go watch it and see it in context. Uh, but that was interesting. One of these strikes that jumped out to me was, so there's a character in it called Toe, the guy with the floppy hair, always smoking, you know. Stoner. Uh, fun, funny guy, the funny yeah. guy in it. Um, so Toe obviously is a nod to theory of everything, but not Kurt Dry Mungle. It's a nod to something called My Big Toe by Tom Campbell. Um, and you can look on a website. I'll give Andy the link so it can be in the in the comments here. But basically, Tom Campbell, he came up with an evolutionary scientific model explaining why the physical universe emerges from consciousness and how this gives purpose and meaning to our existence. And this guy was a nuclear physicist who worked with NASA as a risk analyst. Um, so he is, you know, champion essentially uh, drug-free research into altered states of consciousness, exploring the idea that consciousness is fundamental to the universe and, you know, UFOs supposedly go through consciousness. So uh, that that's all in play here, I would say. Um, if you're intrigued by the consciousness angle, go go have a look at mybigtoe.com. I've just put the link in the description for me awesome. to copy and paste as well. So yeah, that'll <laughs> be there. I found it. Um, and yeah, it's not available in the UK or anywhere else really outside the US yet, is it, Dan? Um, and it's available on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we did speak to the producer, Stan Spry. He works with Cartel. He helped release things like Creepshow and things like that, mostly through Shudder, but he does really good work. Um, he let us know that the international release is being worked out and a distributor is selling those rights now. 
So it will be very, very soon that we'll see the movie. And I know the DVD and Blu-ray comes out the 5th of December. So I would expect it before then, at least, you know? Yeah, I would hope by the end of the month you can buy it elsewhere. Um, yeah. Um, totally separately, Dan, like NordVPN has always got discounts on, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but, but that's nothing to do with the podcast. I just want to mention that to people uh, or other. You get free VPNs and stuff, but I don't even know why I'm bringing up a VPN that would change your location to be a different country to to do stuff like that. So yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, and and there there are certain bank accounts that let you make foreign cards for use in foreign countries, virtual cards, that kind of thing. So if you felt inclined to sign up for NordVPN and... I'll stop you there, it. Dan. You're, you're going to end up with a torrent of abuse. Um, <laughs> torrent. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you might just have to wait, folks, otherwise. So, but yeah, we're going to review that now. So we'll cut it there, Dan. And uh, if you're going to listen to this, it's going to be out after the Ross Coulter interview. So in a couple of days time early next week, or you're listening to it early if you're on the paid feeds and stuff like that. So thanks very much for, for subscribing to the podcast in any way, shape or form. I've not asked for a while, but can you leave a review if you haven't done so already? That would be fantastic. Um, you Apple podcast folks, go on, five-star review, clicky-clicky. Um, Spotify send, as well. Send, send Tim Cook an email, timcook at apple.com, let him know about the podcast. And you know, direct reviews. It'd be good. We'll be yeah. in the next Apple presentation then. Yeah. I, wa- I want to get Apple Podcast Twitter account to retweet the podcast or something because they always tweet random like smaller oh, podcasts like grassroots yeah. podcasts and stuff um but yeah anyway thank you folks thanks for joining us dan uh, sunday afternoon thanks to everyone for the ross Coulthard feedback as well um a couple of guests coming up if anyone does want to send in questions for it, i keep forgetting to to announce these terry lovelace is coming on to discuss his reckoning uh book which is other cases and we mentioned this at the end of the interview i done with terry at the start earlier on in the year where he has had people from all over the world message him about their abduction experiences or different experiences with ufos and also he has a book out on near-death experiences as well that he's co-authored and we'll touch on that too and also mark hartsman has a book out are we alone i believe it's called i'll be discussing that with mark hartsman and also jeffrey kripal will be coming to kripal isn't it yeah it is Um, yeah yeah yeah. lovely dude you're gonna have such a great conversation with him he was amazing to meet in new york yeah, Dad had uh, spoke to him in New York and he's been on various other podcasts, uh, Quantum Witch, stuff like that as well. So looking forward to finally getting Jeffrey on the podcast too. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. We'll round up there, Dan. Let's hop over to the... <laughs> as they do in Wayne's World. Fade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fade. Fade and end. Scene. Scene. That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium. YouTube, you can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk like Alice was playing bass for the parlor.